Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hi, welcome to the Independent Women's Forum podcast. I'm Inez Stepman, Senior Policy Analyst here at IWS, and I have with me Carrie Lucas, our President and Fearless Leader, to talk to you about a bill you might have been hearing about lately, the Paycheck Fairness Act. Thanks for being here, Carrie. Thanks so much, Inez. Um, just to let's get things started uh, with the basics. Can you explain exactly what the Paycheck Fairness Act is, what it does, and what the potential consequences might be? Sure. Um, you know, it's interesting with the Paycheck Fairness Act. I think it's important to um, to talk first about what this bill isn't, because um, some of the rhetoric around the bill is very different than um, the one it is in reality. When you hear people talk about the Paycheck Fairness Act. Um, they talk about it as if this is legislation to um, protect, uh, to ward against discrimination, that this is um, equal pay, um, same pay for same jobs, uh, men and women in the same positions have to be paid the same. And of course, everybody hearing that applauds and says, yes, it's about time, um, except that it's not about time. Um, that's been the law of the land for, for decades now. Discrimination on um, gender-based discrimination has been illegal, was made illegal in the Equal Pay Act of 1963, and then again in the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Um, you know, employers are already forbidden for discriminating or paying women less than men for doing the same jobs. And in fact, you know, that's just the beginning. You think back to when um, President Obama was in office, the very first um, uh, legislation he signed was the Lilly Ledbetter Act, and this was another one that was heralded under as if it was the, um, you know, finally equal pay for equal work. And it was a, a big push. It was well celebrated because it was considered another big step forward for women. Um, again, under this idea of, of closing the wage gap and, um, and protecting women from discrimination. Um, but here we are again, and there's a call for more legislation. Um, and what this legis legislation is, is it isn't protecting equal pay. It's basically just changing how um, to a discrimination or how lawsuits proceed that are claims against discrimination. So it's basically to make it a lot easier for employer employees to sue, to make it harder for employers to defend against themselves, and to increase the number of class action suits. So this is much it's much better understood as um, as legal reform and really favoring um, more lawsuits and the um, the plaintiffs. Um, in legal cases, um, it's really not about that core fundamental idea of equal pay for equal work. Uh, so Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez disagrees with you. Um, she's been one of the uh, ladies on the forefront touting the Paycheck Fairness Act, and she says not only will it help close that pay gap that you mentioned, but it's time to, quote, pay women what they're worth, not what they're desperate to ex enough to accept. So how do you respond to the Congresswoman? How do you respond to people who say, look at this massive pay gap, of, you know, 23 cents on the dollar, women only make 77 cents on the dollar to compared to wet and to men. How can this possibly be fair? We have to change this. Yeah, you know, it's, it's important to, I think, um, with when, anytime we're talking about equal pay, um, I think it's important to, to talk a little bit about the wage gap, because um, that really is that fundamental um, question. And thing, people um, are very frustrated. You hear all the time this idea um, that women are paid less for equal work. Um, and hear the statistic. Um, but again, statistics are only, you know, are only useful if you really dig in and understand exactly what they're talking about. And the wage gap statistic is just, it's um, created by the Department of, of um, Labor, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it compares the, the average wages of a full-time female worker to the average wages of a full-time male worker. 
Um, and it doesn't control for years of experience, for industry, for specialty. Um, and even, you know, this is, I think, one of the, the ones that surprises people most for numbers of hours worked. Um, you know, a full-time worker is technically anybody who's working over, I think it's 36 hours, is the threshold. And um, the average person who is considered a full-time worker is um, uh, the average woman works about a half an hour less in the office or at her job a day than the average man. So right there, you have, um, you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't surprise anybody that if you're working a half an hour less a day, or, you know, that adds up to, it ends up being about 8% of, of all of, um, work time. So, um, that, that explains almost, um, a third of the wage gap, more than a third of the wage gap in that one statistic on just on the number of hours worked. But then again, we also have things like, um, the, the specialties. And I, you know, it's important when we, I feel like when we talk about the wage gap and we talk about the difference in men and women's earnings, there's this you know, almost, I think, cartoonish image that you know, men are all sitting there and they're in you know, suits and sitting in boardrooms, smoking cigars and getting paid more than, than their female counterparts. And that's, that's what drives the wage gap. Well, in fact, when you look at the different industries that men and women tend to gravitate towards, men are often doing jobs that are dangerous have worse hours and worst work conditions, really just aren't that, that pleasant. Um, well, women gravitate towards, towards different jobs. They're often you know, teachers working in so, social work, working in healthcare, working in things where they're, they're with people and are doing things they find at least, um, you know, have, find some fulfillment in or feel like they have some value. You know, men are often working in prisons or in um, fishing boats and coal mines. Men suffer almost all workplace um, fatalities and the overwhelming majority of workplace injuries are suffered by men. So these are all factors that contribute to the wage gap. And then at the end of it, if you control for all those things, you have a, a few cents and it varies on um, on jobs and on specialties, but there is often a, a few unexplained um, percentages, but difference between men and women. And that's worth, you know, that, that means that you know, discrimination is probably contributing to that. There may be other factors that are hard to capture, um, but, um, but discrimination could be driving a little bit of that. That's why we do. It's important for us to have conversations to encourage women who do feel discriminated against to come forward. For women to ask for raises, um, there's some uh, suggestion that the women may be more reticent to ask for raises than men. It's important for women to be aware of that so they can be their best advocates. Um, but again, it, it, the, the solution is not. I, I feel like it's important um, not to paint some of the these. The rhetoric you hear around this makes it sound as though in America there's overwhelming discrimination against women and we need government to come in and kind of crack down on this. Well, that can be, um, you know, that's A, not going to work. And it, uh, secondly, it has a lot of, of terrible consequences or potentially consequences that will work against women. And I think that's really the most important thing to understand about the Paycheck Fairness Act is there are real costs to it. And it's not just, um, you know, in dollars and cents, but it's also in, in workplace opportunities. So if the pay gap then really is the result of, of women's choices, um, rather than, as you said, the, the patriarchy smoking cigars in, in the uh, C-suite, um, are the proponents of this act and, and more generally people who keep belaboring this very um, misleading average average wage gap statistic, are they really at war with the patriarchy or the system, or are they really just at odds with the way that women conduct themselves when they're free to choose? In other words, when women make different choices than men about flexibility, about work-life balance, about, um, you know, what kind of job they want, um, how they want to balance parenting and work, 
Uh, it seems like women, when you get right down to it, women make decisions differently than hardline feminists wish they would make those decisions. Those decisions then contribute to the pay gap. Um, I mean, when people then push the pay gap as something to be fixed, I mean, what are they really talking about? Are they talking about fixing the choices of the average woman who thinks that she'd rather maybe take a part-time job when she has young children? Well, you know, absolutely. I do think that there's a lot of frustrations that um, uh, that sh- that women aren't kind of leaning in in the way that the feminist organizations and um, Cheryl, Cheryl Chan, Chanberg, excuse me, um, you know, instructs us all to, that women do tend to, to prioritize other things. And it's funny because I feel like from, you know, my old days at the, you know, in women's studies, um, we used to talk about kind of um, the male lens or a woman's lens. And really, it seems like a rather, you know, male focused on money as the only thing that matters and really discounting um, women's preferences or saying that they, the women somehow, somehow have the wrong preferences. When in fact, I feel like in many ways, if you look at the women who say, you know, I really, I, um, I like having a job that's close to home or that I'm working with people hands-on. I'm willing to take lower pay so that I can do something that I can be home with my kids at four o'clock. You know, I don't know that those women at the end of the day are going to regret that they um, focused on other things than maximizing that last dollar that they that they earned. Um, so I do think that there's a little bit of a disconnect there. But, you know, I, I also, I, you know, I think that there's, um, there. this is probably driven by um, people who you know, like to continue to kind of beat the drum um, of equal pay for their for own political reasons. Um, but this is also, you know, I, I do think the big winners from the Paycheck Fairness Act would be um, lawyers. And, and that's really, I think, something that's important to recognize. You know, lawyers are a, an important and influential um, kind of lobbying institution or kind of political force. This bill would change what it really does at the, at the when you get when it gets down to it is it, it makes it easier for um, for um, lawsuits to move, move forward as class action lawsuits so that right now. Um, uh, you have to like opt in to a class action lawsuit against your employer, where this would require that you opt out, um, so that you could kind of unknowingly be put in um, put in a class action lawsuit um, against your employer. It also increases the payouts. It makes it um, it, it makes it so that you have more of an incentive to um, to sue, um, which again is you know it may sound sound fine if you're thinking about somebody who has discrim- discrimination, but from a, an employer, especially you know a lot of these in employers, um, you know, they're, they're made up of a lot of, of people with that are trying to do their, you know, their best by each other. This means that a lot of them are going to be um, you know, more worried about hiring. It's a, it's a reason to try to avoid hiring employees, particularly, um, particularly women. And then it also, it changes how employers can defend, can defend themselves or what is an allowable reason for um, for having different pay, and you know, right now there's they can talk about um, business necessity. This is the idea that imagine that you have an employee, um, really valuable employee, um, who comes in and says, "Hey, I'm going to take this other job unless you match this new salary." Um, well, that that would be something you could use. An employer could say, "No, I'm not discriminating against him to keep." Joe or whoever, I had to give him a raise to keep him from leaving. Um, but this would basically make it look as though that the, would create a new standard so that the only way an employer could defend against that is to say that there was no alternative option. Um, and so that's, you know, what does that mean? How, what is that going to mean in, in practice and litigation? You know, this is something I think that a lot of times people who are making policies um, don't really, they haven't, they probably haven't been a manager. They haven't had to make hiring decisions. They haven't kind of put on the shoes of somebody, of an employer 
who's um, who's balancing all these different, you're trying to do right by their employees, trying to run a business, trying to um, support their, provide value to customers. There's a lot going on. Um, And when you have a a regulator coming in that says, hey, any pay discrepancy between a man and a woman means that you are going to, um, you know, you face this enormous potential liability. Well, as an employer, you know, I am an employer. I'm running the Independent Women's Forum. We have, um, have employees. And um, instead of instead of saying, hey, you know, OK, somebody has a has a new baby or a, lo- a young child um, that they want to um, they want to reduce their work work hours for or have additional flexibility or limit their amount of travel they have to do in return for lower compensation. I'm going to say, sorry, every title that has this is going to be paid this. And I can't negotiate because I can't have the potential for somebody um, to sue based on discrimination or try to claim discrimination. That would be a tremendous step backwards for women who value flexibility and value um, uh, you know, having different opportunities and the ability to design their um, design their work lives different, differently depending on their circumstances. I think that's really important that this, the stakes of this, you know, women have a, a lot to lose um, from this. And it's really um, you know, regulators and, um, and lawyers who have the most to gain. But that's really not, I don't think that that's coming through in most of the press discussion. Absolutely. Sounds like the Paycheck Fairness Act is more about lawyers getting a payout than about helping the average working woman. (laughs) Carrie, thank you so much um, for for being with us today. Just a reminder to all our listeners, thanks for listening. This is the Independent Women's Forum podcast. I'm Inez Stepman. This is our fearless leader, Carrie Lucas. Thanks for, for listening today. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or Stop by IWF.org for similar content.